right, welcome to this week's edition of The Sword and Staff. I'm one of your hosts, Josh Robinson. And joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Sketchy Richie. And on today's edition of The Sword and Staff, Sketchy Richie and I are going to be having a collaboration edition with Tony Merkel from The Confessionals. And today's conversation lasted us uh, well over an hour. Not sure exactly how long the conversation went. Um, all together, we were together probably a couple hours talking about all th- kinds of sketchy things. And uh, But, Richie, do you want to tell them about today's edition and all the topics that we discussed? It was a beautiful experience <laughs> with a fellow weirdo. We uh, originally planned to discuss uh, window areas, high strangeness, John Keel, things like that. But it quickly turned into... A free-for-all discussion on all things paranormal, from giants to conspiracy theories to aliens, abductions. It covered all the bases. Tony and Richie even got a little personal towards the end, talking about their experiences in the modern evangelical church and just how it hasn't had categories to deal with a lot of the things that we're, we're talking about and how that actually hurts people and how we need to recover the supernatural worldview of the scriptures and how it equips us to actually be able to help people and to make sense of the things that people are experiencing out in the world. So um, l- let me give you a note before uh, we unleash today's episode upon you. Um, it was recorded over Zoom. And because of that, the audio quality is not what it typically would be uh, with a Sword and Staff episode. And that's just the reality. Whenever people from different states get together to record a podcast when they're not in the same room as one another, hopefully one day, very soon, we will be able to have Tony up here in West Virginia, or maybe we'll be able to go down to Tennessee, hang out with him and record an in-person podcast. And from the conversation that we had, it looks like that that might be a a real possibility coming up sometime near in the future. There's no doubt in my mind, we're going to be working on things beyond the podcast even, so should be a good time. Yep. So we hope that you guys enjoy this week's edition of the Sword and Staff. Make sure to like, subscribe, all of to, to all of the things that we put out there. Make sure to leave us honest five-star ratings on whatever podcasting pa- platform that it is that you listen on. That helps us with things like search engine optimization, all of that. Uh, and we would greatly, greatly appreciate that. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and uh, let you hear this week's edition of The Sword and Staff, and we'll see you on the other side. See you then. All right. Well, today we have our friend Tony Merkel with us from the Confessionals Podcast. Tony, if you would, just introduce yourself to The Sword and Staff listeners and uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Tony Merkel, you already said it. That's all you need to know. Um, (laughs) That's a wrap. Uh, I host the Confessionals podcast. It's a paranormal show where I interview people on their paranormal experiences, and I talk to people from all walks of life. Uh, that is, uh, over the years, a lot of Christians because I'm a Christian, and so when they when the word gets out, they're like, "Oh, I can relate," you know. So that's kind of cool. But uh, it, it's not a program where we focus on one particular people group. We just talk to anybody who contacts us. So over the years, I've talked to witches and uh, Satanists. And just hold conversations with them. And it's uh, it's a very, it's not a debate show or anything like that. It's it's tell me your experiences and hold just conversations and treat people like human beings. And uh, it's been a, a, quite a journey. I started it in 2017. Actually, uh, January 19th, 2017 was the first episode. And um, we've been going ever since. We put out at least one show a week. Uh, members get uh, two shows a week. And it's just been, it's been quite the journey. It's been quite the journey seeing what God's been doing over the last almost six years now. And uh, it doesn't seem like it's slowing down, which is a great thing for me. So, yeah. No doubt. 
Um, also, you've been involved with some filmmaking as well, right? Um, I watched your uh, Dogman uh, doc that was out, and uh, that was really cool too. So you're, you're even involved with some of that kind of stuff. The idea of Merkel Media was really early on. And then over the years, as the show grew, more people listening, I got access to more talented people who had abilities to do things with movies and films. And uh, I, I just had this vision. And I don't know, I don't know why God kind of put things in this in this order. And for this reason, like I, I like I look at the the crew of guys that I have around me. I'm like, I like they're so talented, and I don't I don't bring anything to the table for that talent to be here, you know. Um, but God has his own plans. And I, I, I think that, you know, there's a reason why everything's been happening the way it is. Now we're working on our second film, which is uh, going to be uh, focused on Skinwalker Ranch. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're almost done with it as far as editing and production goes. And it should be coming out here sometime this fall. And uh, I think people are going to, if people, if people saw Expedition Dogman, uh, they are going to absolutely love this next one because uh, going into Expedition Dogman, I literally just put the team of guys together. I mean, uh, Christian, he had been telling me for years that he wanted to do something with me. And at the time I was still driving truck full time and I didn't know what that would look like. And so when the opportunity came to go to Kentucky, I called Christian up, uh, Ward came across my path. And I, I know your listeners are very familiar with Ward from dark holler. Uh, he came across my path last year and, and I, I pretty much in our first conversation recruited him to be a cameraman. I was like, dude, your resume speaks for itself. I think I like you a lot. I think we talked for like four hours. So it's just like, if you guys know, uh, if you guys know Ward, there's a good chance that I was probably talking for four hours. <laughs> he's, he's a, he can be a, a man of few words sometimes. And so, uh, but it was just a great conversation with him. And then Joel came along. And I just kind of threw this crew of guys together and we went to Kentucky to hunt this dog band. No storyline uh, in mind. I, we just was like, here's the camera, point, shoot, let's go. And Christian turned it into an amazing film. And so the, going out to Utah this time, it, it was totally different because Christian had a game plan going in. And uh, we, ha we had uh, brought on Joseph, who yeah. Joseph has 30 years of film experience. and. Uh, that is a huge help. He's been on Broadway. So he's the producer for our films. So he's the guy who shows up early to make sure everything is, is good to go, making sure people are lined up to talk to us, making sure locations are all booked and squared away. Uh, he, it, like, you don't know you need a producer till you have a producer. You're like, Oh, what did I do without you last time? You know? Uh, uh, so Joseph came along and really helped the professionalism of the whole thing. And I'm just telling people expedition dog, man, was awesome. But you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and, and I, I just listen. I know, listen, I know when I see something good, you know, and yep. what we're doing, it's really good. And so anybody who says otherwise, uh, gets blocked automatically. Gets blocked, <laughs> gets the hammer yeah. automatically. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear any, you know, construct, quote unquote, constructive criticism. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it because I, <laughs> like, like I know the product is extremely good. I know for a fact Discovery Channel, History Channel would be banging down our door, begging to buy it off of us. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they did do that. So, like anybody who comes along, is like, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was okay because it blocked. I don't want to hear it. So <laughs>
that's my forewarning. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> well, that's that's great. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to to seeing that. That that sounds like it's going to be a ton of fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've just looked into a lot of the stuff for Skinwalker Ranch. And I know that there's a lot of strange stuff there that happens. And I think that that's probably going to come up in today's episode um, because we're going to be talking about just high strangeness in general. Right, Richie? Yeah. Um, This was actually Richie's idea to come up with this topic. (laughs) And uh, so, uh, you know, you know, sketchy Richie. Yeah. Uh, Just just right off the bat with uh, the whole Skinwalker Ranch thing. I've I've yet to see a project production centered around that particular subject area that i like remotely yeah like on the series on hulu like things on uh history channel discovery channel that i've seen feature skinwalker ranch has just been very sort of over the top and not grounded in anything very solid at all like even from a paranormal standpoint like the the guys seem very sort of outlandish and just i don't know it's like very ghost adventures kind of thing. And and that's just not something that I, I, I really vibe with. So well I can tell you from what I've heard and seen so far <laughs> that that uh I'm a big time fan. I mean there was a a dude in that in that that uh Tony showed us earlier. He had a very good looking mug. Um he looked like he was from <laughs> Madison, West Virginia. Um I don't know who he was, but uh it, it looked it looked very good. <laughs> oh well, that, that, that that was hear, the highlight, huh? Yeah. You hear that Richie he's talking really good about you. I know it. <laughs> no doubt, right? <laughs> Always. Yeah. No, I, I would say that, um, you know, like as somebody who comes from the podcasting world, and, and I really don't know a ton about film other than the fact that I run a media company, I probably should, but I don't. Uh, yeah. the, the, the fact is, um, it seems like these production companies, first of all, when you're dealing with production companies, uh, are really concerned with the the truth of something or or the alternate perspective as much as what's going to get hit the hardest because we need to make sure we have a season two so i have a job and so uh we don't have that which is great and uh it it promotes uh where a lot of these network uh shows and stuff uh it's kind of lazy it's kind of lazy and the perspective that we're coming with uh you know it's not that hard to figure out. It's not that hard to think of. Uh, and I'm sure they have, it's just, they're like, Oh, it's not going to sell. Well, we're going to prove wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's excellent. And it seems like God is uh, allowing something to happen right now with the work that you guys are doing. And even with the work that we've done with dark holler and now shadow Appalachia, where people are now able to independently produce these things and to be able to put, the correct narrative out there right. talking about this stuff and to not have to so much worry about this kind of stuff. And, and in the, the end, I think that you're right. I think that discovery channel and, and all those would come knocking down the door to actually have that. And so God, God seems to be doing something right now. And he seems to be lining <laughs> up like-minded people who are making connections and starting to network together. Um, we've all ended up on each other's radar here and we've got, uh, you know, uh, shared connections with one another. And so I just find that very exciting. I, I think that something big is on the horizon here. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to see what God's going to do with all of it. Man. I mean, even from like par- basic paranormal shows you see in mainstream TV today, it's very cookie cutter, like one size fits all. Like they have this algorithm down and they shape everybody's shows in the same direction. I think that's why 
productions like Hellier were so popular. I mean, that literally exploded onto the scene because people were tired of the same sort of repetitive, bland nonsense that's out there right now. I mean, if you've seen one paranormal show on a, a network like Discovery or Travel Channel, you've seen them all at this point. And that's that's really my frustration with the shows that were depicting like Skinwalker Ranch. Like I couldn't like even now you, I could tell you scenes that I saw from these various shows and I couldn't tell you which is which is which like it all bled together. Yeah, there was no yeah. depth. There was no genuine research. There was there wasn't anything distinctive that set it apart. It was very sort of I don't know. It just seems like hastily made. And yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, I mean, we, we, um, so th- this film we're coming out with is going to, uh, launch off into a docu-series in itself. Uh, Christian mm-hmm. has uncovered so much information, uh, that there is not only a native angle to this, but there really very much is a more sinister, uh, conspiratorial, uh, black operation angle to this as well. And, uh, and Christian has been uncovering some incredible information. He's been, he's been, he's an internet sleuth and uh, (laughs) he's been all over the corners of the internet pulling information. And it's interesting how his mind works because you could be having a conversation with him and they, and, and somebody's talking about a specific topic and they'll say a key word. And all of a sudden his, he perks up and he's like, so-and-so used that same word talking about this and he starts connecting dots. And then like the next day he's like, has a whole thesis as to another angle. And uh, it, it's just, it's really <laughs> cool to see yeah, how, how his mind works. Uh, yeah. But we're going to go into this whole other docu-series that uh, is going to explore things that I don't think network TV can explore. I think that uh, right. it's too sensitive. And yeah. so uh, if we, if we disappear, it's because we hit on something that we shouldn't have hit on. So there you there go. You go. Well, that's, you a, that's how you know that you've made it. Yeah. There yeah. you go. You, you heard it here first. If Tony, you know you made it when your life ends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you when go. you're just abducted by the Faye and it's over with, you're gone or you're suicided. <laughs> yeah. Remember that yeah. guy, Tony, he was on a roll and then he just disappeared. He just vanished. He just vanished. What a, what a, what a, what a jerk. He left his family and everything. Mm. <laughs> well, Tony, you said something there that I found very interesting. And this will probably get us into the meat of our conversation. I mean, he basically just described the dynamics and metaphysics of a window area. Well, right. And also the things that we've talked about and experienced in Dark Holler and now with Shadow Appalachia. It seems that with a lot of these places where there is what's called high strangeness occurring, um, a lot of them seem to have a Native American kind of angle to them where they were once places where uh, the gods were worshipped and these what the Bible calls principalities, powers, that kind of thing. And um, and it seems it seems to be everywhere, right? So you've been to Skinwalker Ranch, right? And that's absolutely a thing there in Skinwalker Ranch. And if I'm not uh, mistaken, there are petroglyphs written on rocks that are still there, you know, by the Native Americans kind of depicting some of their stories and their mythology. And you've got the whole giant's angle, and, and all of those types of things. And we've, we've ran into the same exact things here in West Virginia uh, in our work in Dark Holler and Shadow Appalachia. Um, it seems that like uh, there's this connected thread that just seems to run through all of these, these areas. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just, it's fascinating. And I've got a theory on it. <laughs> My theory is kind of this, 
These places, I think, have multiple layers kind of stacked up on top of them. These are areas that seem to be naturally anomalous for whatever reasons. And then it seemed like the, the, these people were, some for some reason, attracted to these places that are naturally anomalous. And then um, they kind of end up becoming sacred spaces, right? You see that with like the, the Great Serpent Mound in Ohio, which is an area that is naturally anomalous. Actually, I don't know if you know this mm-hmm. or not, but uh, the Great Serpent Mound in Ohio actually sits in a crater of a meteor strike. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so um, it, it's actually right in the meteor strike. It's, I, I would have to break out one of the books to see what the meteor crater was called. I can't remember exactly what it's called. But uh, anyway, it's uh, it, it's an area that is known to have things like gravitational anomalies, um, there are tunnels leading beneath it, underwater uh, underwater rivers flowing beneath the areas, and that kind of thing. And all of these areas seem to have this kind of similarity. Like even with Skinwalker Ranch, um, anybody who's spending any time looking at Skinwalker Ranch and, and watching some of the docks and the stuff that's out there, like it's an area that is naturally anomalous. Like it has this void beneath the ranch, and there's water flowing beneath it. And, you know, there's, if I'm not mistaken, there was actually a meteor strike not very far from Skinwalker Ranch as well. Um, And, you know, you have similar things here in West Virginia as well. Um, We'll go ahead and throw this out there. This weekend, we're going to explore a lost serpent mound in Logan, West Virginia. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's it's been lost. Um, There's not even a historical marker for it. Um, like it's like even the the residents in the county are unaware that it that it exists, and so we're going to explore it this weekend. And if you there's a map that you can actually look at on gravitational anomalies that's put out by the U.S. government, um, and it's an area that falls very high in the spectrum for gravitational anomalies. So it's something that's shared between all these areas. And so <clears throat> my theory is is basically this. Um, For whatever reason, I don't know if they were able to somehow notice this or if it was knowledge given to them by, you know, angelic beings that they were worshiping or whatever. But I think that these spaces were places that they were drawn to. And and through the worship of powers and principalities and those types of things, there are areas that become what we would call in the biblical worldview desecrated spaces. There there are places that are uh, become sort of a hub for odd, strange phenomena. and that's because at one point people were really communing with dark powers in these yeah. places, even offering up human sacrifices. And that and extends like that. beyond the Americas. I mean, you go to any culture worldwide and you see these window area type places. They're tied to areas of ritualistic abuse tied to the the native people of the land. Yeah. So so um let's let's get into some of the things that we've experienced with um some of the research that we've done here in Appalachia. And then Tony, you can feel free to chime in and talk about some of the things that you've experienced in Kentucky, looking for dog men and that kind of thing. Uh, and in Skinwalker Ranch as well. Um, in a lot of these places, there seems to have been, there seems to be various different kinds of phenomena happening there. And from what I understand, that's kind of what John Keel referred to as high strangeness. So for yeah. example, like you would have UFO sightings in these places but not only would you have UFO sightings, but you'd have things like cryptid sightings, right? And then you would have all sorts of other odd phenomena going on there, like poltergeist stuff, um, gravitational anomalies. 
Um, Richie, like even during the sightings of Mothman, there was a lot of oddness just in general going on around Point Pleasant. Oh, absolutely. There was UFO activity. There was animals being abducted and mutilated. There were uh, people reporting seeing the manifestations of angelic-like beings appearing in town and on the outskirts of town. There was various cryptid sightings and the presence of uh, what they're what they're calling the men in black. So it, there was just a barrage of various paranormal phenomena that usually comes on the cusp of these waves of high strangeness. Well, and, and also, too, people were experiencing things like time loss. Yeah. Right. Somebody would go on a ride through Point Pleasant and then they would end up somewhere else hours later and have no recollection of how they got there. And then you've got odd, like, uh, power things going on, too, like cars, vehicles losing power just randomly. And same thing, you know, just across the geographical area. So whenever you encounter this type of thing, it seems like these types of patterns, regardless of where you're at, seem to manifest themselves. And you got the same thing in Skinwalker Ranch, right? Like, you've got Native American, like, same thing with Point Pleasant. Point Pleasant had Native American worship going on there. I mean, there's in a lit- major way in a major a way, major holy area for the ancients. I mean, the the uh, what is it? The uh, the uh, Water Panther Stone yep. is still on display there, and it was a, an altar that's shaped like a ziggurat, like a step pyramid that was uh, offerings that Chief Cornstalk's clan would offer up on it to their principalities, and so like all of these these things seem to uh, relate to one another. All of these places, regardless of where they're at geographically, seem to have the same things. And so like you have the same things at Skinwalker Ranch, right? I mean, it's named Skinwalker Ranch because of the cryptid phenomena that happens there, right? Like the, like the Skinwalkers. Uh, Tony, I don't know if you want to speak to that a little bit. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's obviously in the name. Uh, right. But the the entire it's it's what we're going out there with in Utah. We were we were actually this kind of speaks to uh, what you're saying is our our whole angle going out there was to to show that this is not a Skinwalker Ranch thing. It's a Uinta Basin thing. It's an entire region, and mm-hmm. and yep. and what is what what happened in that region? Well the natives happened in that region and the natives, uh, the, and I, I don't think it's just the natives and, and their, and their spirituality when it comes to how they, they go about, uh, their ancient worship, you know, hundreds of years ago, right. but there's, there's a lot of dark witchcraft that has come out from that area as well. And I mean, skinwalkers, I mean, that, that is, that is some really dark witchcraft that, that you're involved in, in if you're doing that kind of thing with the body transformation uh, and, mm. and people can debate whether, you know, there, there's actually transformation going on and stuff. Sure. Um, but it, it, the fact is there's some dark ritualistic things happening there and, uh, it definitely does taint the land. If that's what you want to say, it, it, you know, how you want to reference it. Yeah. Uh, but it carries on through generations. And that's something that I really, I don't think I really grasped, uh, until recently, really, uh, the fact that the, the whole generational curse thing, it, yeah. uh, the, the so many correlations right now, like my yeah. mind is just running with the connection points between what he's talking about and things going yep. on here in Appalachia. Yep. Keep going, Tony. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's just uh, the 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 natives uh, and, and the that land, it has just it has such a rich history of spiritualism and uh, people worshiping gods and uh, and you know, that's, 
like like we had a we had a guy showing us around that was a native and uh he was catholic though you know uh yeah. but but it wasn't always like that right uh and so the, there's a there's a real history Interesting there and dynamic then, though yeah it, well yeah for sure um but then there's uh the, the you mentioned about the the petroglyphs and the the giants you know and the the real the the the, the fact is Listen, I went and I saw these things up close. Ward saw them up close. Like there are there are depictions of giants with six fingers on their hands. And it's just like the natives could count. They 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 weren't dummies, you know? <laughs> like right. it's yep. it's uh it's they were they were depicting what they saw. And it was it was something that was uh of of importance enough for them to put it on these walls. Yeah. Uh and so it, it's just the area, the area's got a lot of issues. Let's put it that way. That that kind of carry throughout today. We, um, the property we were staying on, it butted up against Skinwalker Ranch. And uh, before, before Ward and myself and Joel and my brother Jack got there, Christian and Joseph got there, and they got to talking to people. And one of the people they talked to were the neighbors of this property across the street, essentially. And they said just, I think it was last year, they saw a skinwalker going through the property we were staying on. Before we before we uh, got there, a week before we got there, the property owner told me that uh, there was a huge, he has a huge metal container, like one of those um, like 40 foot long containers. Uh, it, it had been lifted, rotated, and set down on a different piece of the property. And there's no tracks of... of um, uh, of of machinery on the property he has a property manager who never reported seeing anybody coming in and moving the the big container and stuff i mean it would take a crane to do it and yeah. so <clears throat> if, if there was if there wasn't a crane then you're talking about a truck and you would see the tire marks uh there was nothing it was literally there's no drag marks we could see where the container was uh but it wasn't there anymore it was sitting somewhere else and you could there was no drag marks so uh there's a lot of weird things like that happening on the property that you know, you could talk about the anomalies under the ground. Uh, you could also talk about you know, is is even the container being moved? Is some kind of form of witchcraft? Um, I, I don't know, but there there's a lot of weird things happening out there that stems back to ancient times. And uh, talking with you guys and uh, talking with other people throughout the country, it seems like there's a real um, there's a real native connection to this stuff. Uh, I, I just I I don't know. I, I want to be very careful to uh, to step too far and and almost box ourselves into the idea of native when maybe a more broad term of just saying ancient because w- what if there was something else going on here before the natives even really got here you know like like yeah. I, we, we yeah. don't know well um, yeah I mean you almost even see that in some of their their lore right like um if you go back through some of the native american lore especially like the the cherokee and the shawnee and some of that like they even talk about like the mound builders being here before the mound builders, before yeah. them and that they were here and that they were this race of giants who built these types of structures and that they were here and that they were very harsh and that they were very violent and so i mean even if you look at their lore like they even have legends about that that like there was stuff going on here before them and that they were even uh, they even experienced the the violence of, of this of these people so you're, you're i think that you're spot on with that 
So do you guys think that the uh, these mounds that you're talking about um, in Logan, it, it was a serpent mound, you said? Yep, that's correct. Yep. Are you thinking it predates the natives as far as like yes. maybe possibly built by giants? So <laughs> here's here's my... Yeah, there's yeah. A, a lot of controversy around yeah. things like that. Well, there's a ton of controversy around that because the mainstream narrative is that the Native Americans built these mounds. Now, the problem with that is, is that the Native Americans were very, very into preserving their legends and their lore, and they were passed down verbally and even carved into the rocks, right, like in the petroglyphs. And what they say is, no, we didn't build these things. These were here before us. And so my theory on the Serpent Mound um, in Logan is that it is a pre-Native American um, earthwork and that it has been here. If I'm not mistaken, it actually dates back. There was, there was somebody who came in in the 70s and surveyed the mound, and it dated back, I think it was around 700 B.C. Um, I mean, it's, I can't remember the exact date off the top of my head. I don't have the papers here in front of me, but it dates back B.C. We're talking about before the time of Christ. And so um, perhaps perhaps it's it's all, the last time that it was looked at or, or surveyed or work was done on it was in the 70s. So my theory is that it is a mound that has been here for centuries upon centuries, and it's been here for a very long time. And I believe that it is the remnant of something like what you're talking about, perhaps a, a giant clan that was in the area that was building earthworks dedicated to their principalities. Um, I actually have a couple more theories about it. Um, I think that it actually shares um, some some sim- interesting relations and similarities with the Great Serpent Mound in Ohio, um, which I also think is very, very old, um, like actually dating back probably sometime after the last ice age, um, which is thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, at least that's some of the stuff that I've come across in the work of Graham Hancock. Uh, well, go ahead. With that, with that said, um, yep. what what is the thought process as to what these things originally looked like? Because I mean, the serpent man I saw in Ohio, uh, not yeah. in person, but you know, uh, in pictures. Like, do they think that this this was something that was much bigger and and more formed, or or what? Do you know? Well, so from what I have have uh, studied so far, it appears that about uh, seventy to eighty feet of it was naturally occurring, at least is what they think, and then it was added on to. I think it was another thirty feet that was added onto it. And if I'm not mistaken, that seems to be the case with the Great Serpent Mound in Ohio. So they seem to be um, things that were naturally occurring and then were added onto later on. Points that they observed to be naturally anomalous. So if you have a a geographic point that seems to correspond with like a a setting sun on an equinox or something like that, they'll take these locations and add onto them and make them spots of ritual. So So, yeah, so for example... The Great Serpent Mound in Ohio lines up with the summer solstice, right? Like if you if you're at Great Serpent Mound in Ohio in Adams County during the summer solstice, you would see the sun set at the mouth of the Great Serpent Mound, and it looks like that it's actually devouring the sun, um, devouring the light. And there, at one point, there was actually an altar that used to sit there 
in the area of where the mouth and the, the seed is at. And ritual sacrifices were actually made there. The, the altar was actually destroyed in the 19th century. Um, and so I think that these were probably, like what Richie's saying, areas that were naturally occurring, and they somehow saw that they lined. It, it's it's almost like the joining together of heaven and earth, right? You see this, the, this ball of fire in the sky setting exactly where the, it's, it's like similar with Stonehenge. Stonehenge also uh, lines up with, I, think, I can't remember if it's the solstice or the equinox, and they actually drug in the rest of the stones from Stonehenge from another county and made that structure. Same thing with the Sphinx, right? The Sphinx in Egypt lines up with these things too, and they eventually carve it out to look like a pharaoh. Um, so I, my theory is that there are areas that were naturally occurring and they were added on to, and they became ritual spaces later on. Do you Do you think that so are you are you saying that you think that maybe like the Sphinx, the builders of that are possibly the same or very similar type builders for what we have here? It's a great question. It's a great question. Uh, I would say absolutely yes, but that's just here's here's what I'll say. That's here's the answer what, I was looking for. I love it. Absolutely yes. yes. Here's what I can theorize at. Okay, I'm gonna tie this into some biblical worldview stuff. My theory is this: that sometime after the Tower of Babel, God scatters the nations, right? God scatters the nations out. He confuses their language. Um, Deuteronomy 32 talks about that God installed over the nations the sons of God, which are angelic beings that we learn later on in Scripture, rebel against God and become the gods of the nations. The gods of the nations are real, okay? They're fallen angelic beings. So people, if you're listening and you wanted to know if the gods of the nations are real, they are, okay? So you heard it here first, okay? Um, Mic drop, pipe bomb, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> pipe bomb. Okay. Um, so the, the real- Josh is going polytheistic, apparently. <laughs> There's only one God, sir. The I'm rest playing. are all created. But uh, but anyway, so here's my theory though. Um, whenever these nations dispersed and they scattered from this one geographical location, I think that they at the very least carried a similar worldview with them throughout the nations. And so that's why in Babylon and Egypt and even here in in, uh, North America, you get similar earthworks because now how did they get here? I have no idea. Perhaps there was a land bridge connecting Siberia, you know, the the Bering Strait or not Siberia, but but the Bering Strait, which connected Russia and Alaska at one point. Maybe they came over that and they brought that worldview here. But here's what I do know. The same worldview that is is present in the ancient Near East, in these earthworks over there, like the Sphinx, the pyramids, right? I say it's a preserved ancient worldview. It's a preserved yep. ancient worldview that is here in North America and is preserved in the earthworks of North America. Listen, the mounds, those are just earth earthen versions of the pyramids. Yep. They're the same exact things. So you could, yeah. So I think that you could make a case that these people are from the same origin. That's awesome. I like <laughs> it. I love it. There we go. There we go. Um, and that's and that's really controversial, especially around here. Like uh, you'll have the Native Americans telling you that these things, these mounds, these redheaded, six-fingered giants, like predate them, and that's something very controversial to say. Like it's today in society, they'll they'll tell you that if you push that narrative, that you're taking away from the accomplishments of the natives. Well, here's something I think Tony will really like. There seems to be a concerted effort to put forth a certain narrative for whatever reasons, and I don't know why, but to distort the true history of the world. Oh, absolutely. I don't know why, 
but it, it seems to be there. And they will ignore, they will go to the lengths of ignoring the stories of the people who are actually here and wrote down their stories and put it down um, for the sake of putting forth this narrative. Yeah. I mean, leave it to people to tell you what to be offended by. Right. I mean, it's like the natives are telling, you no, it was here beforehand. And it's like, how dare you say that the natives are offended. It's like, hold on. They're the ones that are saying this. That's right. There's definitely a a concerted effort. And it, I mean, listen, I'm just going to say it. I mean, say it, say it. People that, that run this world, they are evil. They're satanic and they know what the truth is. They know what the truth is. Um, there was, listen, there was, um, do you guys know about the WikiLeaks stuff? Some of it, yeah. I, I follow it whenever a lot of it happened, but I don't know the depth of it. So we can't prove it was Hillary Clinton that wrote this email because it was written by a different name. And, but it, this whoever this person is wrote a lot of emails on her server. A lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, it's like uh, almost as if she is her alias almost. Mm-hmm. Uh but whoever this was on her server that she had her private server that she wasn't supposed to have that she never got in trouble for. Um, she <laughs> conveniently, yeah, conveniently. Um, she, the, the emails in the, all we could see is the subject line, but it said something like, uh, requesting information on where the tomb of Gilgamesh is and where yep. the, dead, the, 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 the dead bodies of the Nephilim are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even like it's something like that in the subject line. We don't know what was in the what was the context of the body of the email, but uh, I mean that that alone, if that's authentic, I mean that that just tells you right there this goes way up, way high, and um, you know, I I have no doubt in my mind that the people who run this world know a lot more than what they let lead on, and they make a concerted effort to uh, push us away from the truth, and that's even the Christians too, like. Man, the people in, in the church are so stupid. Uh, they 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 just they fall hook, line, and sinker for what these people, these politicians say and tell them what to right. believe. These pastors do the same thing, and it freaking irritates me. Yeah. Um, but uh, did you guys? You still have me, right? Yes. Yes, you're All still right. here. Yeah, my camera turned off. I don't know why. No, you're good. No, yeah, I mean, even in mainstream academia, you see these uh, independent scientists and researchers that are studying these threads of these things like giants and they'll like even with the the case of the giants you'll you had trained observers and scientists from the smithsonian who the academia would say are credible guys that are coming out and then when they come back with their findings say hey yeah there are six-fingered red-headed giants that built the mounds in these regions and then all of a sudden that they're they're kooks they're not credible and their whole backlog of research is just gone so it seems like the more these independent researchers come across these threads, you have the establishment that cracks down on them to push this this alternative narrative. Well, you know, you even have, that's even here local, right? Like in West Virginia, like whenever you look at the Creel Mound in South Charleston, um, you know, it dates they date it back somewhere about 500 BC, and whenever the Smithsonian actually come out to uh, to excavate it. They actually found within it, in the center of the mound, when they excavated it, um, a large, uh, what they, the, it is the decayed skeleton of what they called a once powerful man. Okay. And the, the height of it, they suspected, was somewhere between seven foot to like eight foot, head to heel. And that's the Smithsonian's um, nomination 
of the height. And so, uh, you know, since then, they've come up with ideas to try to explain away um, why that that is, you know, the, all the bones were spread out and it made it look bigger than it actually was, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it, you're right. Like there there seems to be an effort here to try to distort the true history that is out there. And um, like you said, I mean, I, I think that it comes down to it's it's an attempt uh, to to cover to cover that up because basically what you're going to do is you're going to um, you're going to have to give credence to the biblical worldview and the biblical narrative and what it says about uh, these types of people, right? Like uh, like the giants and that there were giants out there and you know they were here before the flood and then you know Genesis six talks about they were even there in the days after the flood. Um, you're going to have to give credence to those stories. And I think that the people, the powers that be right now, uh, they, they want to steer as far away from those, the truthfulness of those stories as, as they can. And so, yeah. Uh, let me ask you a question. This is, yep. I, I don't want to go off track if this is going off track, but um, <clears throat> the, the before and after floods thing, thing, how do you guys view that whole thing? I mean, how, how is it that the giants, you know, survived yep. the flood, quote unquote? Yep. Well, there's a couple of different ways you could answer the question. Um, one is you could say that you have the same thing occurring, you know, after the flood. Um, there's several different views on it, and I'll lay out a couple of them. Uh, one of them is that, you know, the same thing that happened before the flood happened after the flood as well. You have more sons of God that fall and, and go into the daughters of men, you know, that whole thing. Then you've got an, another take that I find fairly interesting which uh, deals with sex magic, yeah, um, yeah. which it wouldn't be a sword and staff episode if we didn't <laughs> mention sex, sex magic. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, whenever you look at the throughout the ancient world, um, you see these rituals. Um, and they were rituals for making giants. And basically, here's the way that they worked. Like if you read the Epic of Gilgamesh, right? Gilgamesh was a giant. Uh, he was a Babylonian giant. And he was said to be three quarters God three-fourths, right? How do you end up with that math, right? Well, here's uh, here's kind of how that, that works, okay? Um, so the way that sex magic works is you have uh, a king who is embodying a god, um, and then you have uh, like a human king who's embodying a god who, who has sex with a temple, ritually, uh, ritually yep. with a temple prostitute, and it is for the purpose of bearing um, seed that is divine. Uh, you see that in ancient Egypt, right, where they they basically said that the pharaohs were were gods, um, and you see that all over the ancient world. Actually, in in I think it's Japan, there's actually still yet remnants of that ritual um, happening there. The king, uh, or the uh, whoever the leader is of Japan, um, it's now symbolic, uh, but they don't uh, they say they don't do it the way that they used to. But they he used to spend the night with a, a female who was embodying a, a goddess. And they would have ritual sex, and it was for the the purpose of producing offspring that would continue to rule that geographical region, who were semi divine. Yep. It's the same thing with Gilgamesh, <laughs> right? He's you've got a man, you've got a woman, you've got a man embodying a god. There's your three quarters, right? Um, and so that's that could be another explanation. Um, perhaps this was pre flood knowledge, occult knowledge that was passed down by the Watchers. Um, 
so basically what they're doing is they're embodying these wa- watchers through through rituals um and through sex they're producing offspring that is uh what we uh, w- what we in our culture today understand as the the demigods right the achilles of the world right who's half god you know half man or the you know those are the hercules of, of the world right um so that could be a, a possible explanation as well. Um, if you look to the Babylonian myths, um, you they call the giants the the Apkalu, and they're these wise men who these mighty men of renown. And uh, in their story, some of them survive, um, and they come, and they end up carrying on this pre-flood knowledge after after the flood. I tend to think that it's one or two, um, perhaps. Uh, the angel, there's more angels fall after after the flood and repeat the process. I tend to lean more towards the sex magic explanation. And the reason why is because that's still yet a practice that's passed down and still yet used in high occultism, especially if you look at yeah. Aleister Crowley and the Lama and that kind of thing. That knowledge had to start somewhere. And he claims that it's very ancient knowledge. And so I tend to think that. Richie, I don't know if you got anything you want to add. Yeah, I think to me, I believe it's a two-part process. I think you have uh, pre-flood. You absolutely had these sons of God, these angelic beings physically coming and having intercourse with the daughters of men. They were they were creating offspring with these women. And these were the Nephilim embodied. And then you have the flood and the Nephilim are wiped off. They're disembodied. And now post-flood to get that sort of same Nephilim essence, it's ritualistic. And so they're trying to be re-embodied again. Yeah. Yeah. That could be another explanation too. You call that a fourth one, I guess. Yeah. So. Uh, Cause I mean, that's where you get the demonic from demons. They're right. disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. Yeah. So, well, we certainly know that there were giants after the flood because we look at the, the David versus Goliath story, right? Goliath is a giant. He is of the, of the Anakim tribe. And on, the Anakim come from Anak, who was a descendant of the Nephilim. So somehow, I I, I don't know. Um, there's very take your pick of of these explanations. I think even somehow like, it was yeah, going on after the flood. I think the, the after the the dis the disembodied nature of the flood, like it it wiped out the the giants physically, but their essence, their spirits, still roam the earth. And that's the whole point of the demonic today. They're trying to be re-embodied through possession through things like that and it even extends into things like ufo phenomena when you see the the uh extraterrestrials or these beings they're so heavily associated with the same sort of inter mixing of human dna things like that like it's the same sort of mixing of human alien angelic hybrid thing so it's the same sort of agenda even now there's this desire to be re-embodied again so yeah so you can take your pick there from those those explanations, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I uh you know and I've I've heard those before and stuff. What do you, what do you guys think about the uh maybe more fantastic fantastical side of things? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like I'm sure you've heard La Marzulli talk about possible off planet type uh, actions. Um, I know it sounds far fetched, but I, I have come across <laughs> a, a story that um it seems to have certain certain legs to it and it, it does involve the nephilim in other realms uh do you think the nephilim had the had had uh um magical type powers at all well so we we talked about Absolutely. some of this yeah. we talked about some of this on our episode where we did uh it was 
the religion of the giants and magical objects. So they were definitely a magical culture. Um, well, just look at what the knowledge was that the watchers brought down to humanity. It was, it was magic. It was alchemy and metallurgy and, uh, things like that. So absolutely their entire culture was magic. And even when you look at even like released uh, CIA documents, it's been declassified with, we are getting totally conspiratorial today, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I tend to bring it out of people. I love it. Like remote viewing projects. Like you literally had these government remote viewers that were tasked with remote viewing. I think it was the surface of Mars and describing these, the spirits of these giant beings on Mars, so uh, there was, according to the CIA documents, there was off-planet giants out there. See, and for me, whenever I'm I'm looking at this, I want to try to unify, 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 uh, kind of present what I would call or what what John Keel a, a unified theory um, for the paranormal here. And so I would I would also liken the the like UFOs, aliens with the sons of God. Um, like I, I think that that is a particular mask that they are currently utilizing. Oh, absolutely. Because the, it's something. the technology is the mask. The message is always something spiritual. Well, in the, so, so here's the deal in the ancient, in the, in the days of old, right. In the days of the ancient Near East, the way that they appeared to people was as gods. They're these yep. shining, bright, luminous beings, right. And they're their gods. And I think that you can actually make sense of stuff like ancient astronaut theory with this. You know, they they basically, you know, talk about, you know, ancient aliens and that kind of stuff. I think the ancient aliens are actually angels, fallen angels. Um, and, uh, you know, and you have similar depictions, you know, and some of that stuff. But, uh, you know, whenever you hit other cultures, though, you end up with um, different a different mask, right? Like, for example, like uh, we did an episode on Celtic mythology. And, uh, you know, they have these sto- same exact stories in Celtic myth. Uh, but there they were these uh, gods called the Tuatha de Danon, and then they become the fairies. So the fae are even some <laughs> oddly enough linked to the same exact stuff that you're talking about, Tony. And I, I think that, and then whatever you- from, from abductions to time loss, everything, right. you can tie the fae to, to modern UFO, UFO reports. Right. And then, the board. and then you look at the modern day UFO reports, and they're exactly the same as the old uh, reports of fey abductions, yep. right? Like it's the same type of phenomenon, right? So for me, what I would want to do is I would want to try to link all these things together and be like this phenomenon that has been occurring throughout time in various cultures that aren't even connected. Um, I would want to make the case that these are the same beings. So you could call them inner interdimensional outer you know outer space yeah, because that's they come from yeah. the heavens right? it's, it's all cultural percep- perceptions i mean you look what did they expect to see when they see these things to them though they were the gods of old today in the age of machine and modernity the that's why ufos take on an a, a sort of an essence of high technology things like that but the message is always some sort of spirituality well that and it's always bringing some sort of secret knowledge yep. to humanity to transcend itself is always the message right yep. like if you want to to save your race you're going to have to listen to the message yep. that if I'm you want to be free you. from the chains of religious dogma it's it's well it's the same, the same like, story. If it's you, basically the message of the new age well if you look at stephen greer ce5 stuff right and his uh, disclosure stuff that's the thing. If we want to save humanity, we have to listen to these beings that we're communicating with through our CE5 rituals, right? Um, they are giving us knowledge to help us. 
and that's that goes back all the way to the Watchers. Like if you read First Enoch, um, you don't even have to take it as authoritative or scripture. Um, if you just take it as a story that happened to be in the water of the the era of the Second Temple period, what you learn from that is that these angelic beings were bringing the same exact message to these people. Then, hey, we're giving you this information and this knowledge to help you because God didn't want you to have these things, right? We want to teach you about magic. We want to teach you about metallurgy, yeah. alchemy, astrology, uh, this and that. I, I mean, look at the message of the New Age. That's exactly what's been brought into modern times. Yeah, so I, I would want to... I, I think that you're onto something there. I, I And I think that L.A. Marzulli is onto something there. Um, so, you could, Yep, go ahead. No, I, I just... because So I... Um, I started looking at this. I started looking at a lot of things differently years ago here. And uh, I just looked it up on my Facebook page back in 2018. I wrote a post and um, it, it's based off of second Samuel 21, 16. Yeah. I don't know the name. I don't know how this giant's name is pronounced. It, it says, uh, and ish bib and knob ish mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, which was the son, which was of the sons of the giant the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight. He, he, uh, he being girded with a new quote unquote sword thought to have slain David. And I remember reading that the word sword was actually an inserted word in the original manuscript had just said that this giant had something new and that sparked off a whole other thought process in my head because I'm like, if this was written at, as in David came across something new on the battlefield, David being a mighty warrior who, you know, living in a time where you, you get very familiar with what's about to kill you because it's, it's hand to hand combat. Like what could be possibly new on a battlefield that a giant's bringing forward. And then you look at like Enoch um, where it it talks about how the watchers taught their wives sorcery. And I just started thinking like, could these giants have had access to sorcery and all this 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 mysticism and that that could translate into uh, things that are, are thought to be straight out of a Marvel movie, but actually were actually happening in these times? It's it's I just think it's fun to think about. Oh yeah, no, I I one hundred percent. That's the whole point so. of metallurgy, yeah. which is one of the the disciplines that the Watchers taught. It was imbuing. Uh, weaponry and swords and spears and things with mm-hmm. magical properties. So it's yeah. absolutely spot on. Yeah. Well, and even the, the think about this too, like let's do a, a thought experiment here, right? We, we, we talked about this on our episode where we talked about the religion of the giants, right? Um, their fathers are fallen angelic beings who brought knowledge. Their mothers are the ones who was taken by these beings to belong to themselves, right? It only makes sense that their religion at a practical level would be what their fallen fathers brought to them. Right. And, and that the thing that was brought to them was this kind of knowledge of how to make weaponry. Like it literally talks about like in Enoch that they learn how to make breastplates and and stuff like that, like weapons for war. Um, so it, even while they, they yep. liken uh, witchcraft to be a sort of a feminine art, like it was passed down, like you hear it's, you hear it said it's passed down from mother to daughter. It's the it's where the watchers came to the daughters of men, and it was the women that passed on these skills to their to their children. Fascinating fact, fellas. Um, I mean, I'm look I'm looking at a, a, an iron dagger 
that was found in uh, King Tut in Egypt in his tomb. And uh, it dates to around 1350 BC, which was about 200 years before the Iron Age. And they actually found that um, this particular dagger, you can go to, can go to, can go. This is a fact, right? This dagger was literally made out of metal, of, uh, of iron that came from outer space, space to Earth by a meteorite. So they literally were making weaponry that came from the heavens that nobody had ever seen before. Right. This new kind of uh, substances or new kind of material. Right. Like and the, and the fact that it's an asteroid or a meteor. Literally the uh, basis of alchemy and, and metallurgy. Right. Like this is this. It doesn't make it any less spiritual. Right. If you're thinking from a biblical worldview, you're th- you see something fallen from the heavens. Right. These things symbolize sons of God. Right. The stars, the sun, moon and stars. Like right? we've talked about this a little bit, like in the ancient worldview. Uh, they they looked at the skies and wherever they saw the stars and that kind of thing, they they thought of of beings of pure light, right? Angelic beings. And so you see one of those fall from heaven to earth, that still yet carries spiritual significance to it. Now, modern people would want to reduce that down to nothing other than its material, but in the ancient worldview, they would have saw this as something coming from the heavens to earth and they use it to form weapons. Yeah. Like that's exactly what you're talking about. Like, that's exactly the worldview that is at work here. It's amazing. Yeah. So uh, let's start to uh, kind of tie some of this this up here. I think we're probably coming to the end of our time. We've been talking about an hour or so. Tony, uh, you've been very gracious. Has it been an hour already? I think it's been close to an hour. <laughs> oh. I'm not sure. Um, I think we're coming in on an hour. I don't have a timer here going, but uh, I don't know if Zoom... Uh, gives you a time anywhere, tells you how long you've been on here. Yeah, I don't but, know. Uh, but uh, you've been very gracious with your time, and I don't want to take it all up this evening because I know you need to go be with your family and that kind of stuff. Um, so let's kind of start tying us all together. All right. So these areas that all of us are exploring, Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, yeah, let's let's talk about that. Dogmen dog of Kentucky, uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, uh, Flatwoods, West Virginia, all of these places – seem to have this odd spiritual heritage and worldview in all of them. And that's, I think that's how we all end up finding each other. Like we all fell into each other's laps with <laughs> the cause of the overlapping similarities and uh, structures metaphysically of these places. So, I mean, that's how we found Ward. That's how through Ward we found Tony. And yeah, it's like we were all tracing these threads and we all joined up end here up in the same spot, end up joined up here in the middle of it. Yeah. And we're like, hey, you found the same stuff at Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, wow. We found that here in Charleston, West Virginia, too, at this mound that dates back to 500 B.C. Right. So something's going on here. Right. Literally following these ancient threads. And it just goes to show you the shared spiritual history these cultures had. And we ended up in the same spot. Here's here's I get I guess what I would want to say to people who are listening to kind of sum all of this up. Um, the biblical worldview that you get from Scripture that seems very distant from you actually isn't as distant as you think. It actually somehow ended up in your own very backyard in ways that you may not be aware of. Yes, right. It's ended up somehow in the Uinta Basin. It somehow ended up in Adams County. 
in Ohio at the, the Great Serpent Mound. It's ended up landing in our backyard in this lost serpent mound that we're going to go exploring this weekend in Logan County, West Virginia. Yep. Right? I don't know why, but there is a concerted effort to try to cover these things up or to spin a narrative that tries to unlink all of these things. But the reality is this. All of these things are connected in various ways, regardless of what people tell you. If you look at them the way that we're looking at them, and you explore these threads the way that we're exploring them, you will see that the people who made these things, these earth earthworks, right? These uh, these petroglyphs, these these things that we've all explored, and these this cryptid phenomena, right? It d- doesn't just have uh, it doesn't just manifest itself here. It also manifests itself in various parts of the world. And the stuff that we're researching here and the stuff that we're looking into is actually very, very ancient, right? Even though it may seem disconnected from you, it's not. It's in your own backyard and you may not even be aware of it. So it's it's literally, I mean, biblical history in your backyard. It, it's literally, it, it's, um, you know, it, it should be such a huge faith builder for people when they start viewing it and they start seeing it this way. Uh, it, it should really give them confidence to walk through their everyday life, knowing that they're on the right track. And obviously I think that's something that we all strive for when it comes to doing what we do and stuff like where we all find all three of us find ourselves in positions where in one way or another, we have other people looking to us to uh, in some kind of leadership role. Uh, yep. and, and so, uh, in that role, we want to project uh, a, a tangible way for people to to look at scripture uh, and 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 know that it's true. And yep. when you can show them that, hey, like the the history that we, that we're teaching, the t- the history that that we see here uh, is tangible, and it's today. And you can go look at this right here. This isn't something you have to go to Egypt for. It's right here, and here's yeah. why. Yeah. And here's some <laughs> secrets that really don't get talked about a whole lot. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's it, it's such a faith builder and and I think as Christians we we need those moments that we can look back in our lives for for our own personal reasons and say this moment in my life um I was more convinced in that we need those moments so that when we hit those spots in our lives where we're in the valley and we're 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 questioning things and we're we're feeling distant from God we can reach back and say yeah but I know that was true. And if that is true, so is God. And these kind of things are those faith builders for people, I believe. And um, I, I just, I, I, for me, it's really exciting because um, it's really exciting for me personally because I like that's that's the kind of stuff that I thrive off of. And so if I'm able to help other people thrive off the same things I thrive off of spiritually, uh, it's a win-win in my book. Yeah. Well, that's well said. It's really good. Absolutely. <clears throat> well. Guys, we hope that you enjoyed this week's edition of The Sword and Staff. Tony, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time. I know you're a busy man. Uh, I know you've got a ton going on. But before we sign off, if you would, would you tell people where they can find you and find your work? Yeah, so uh, name's Tony Merkel again. The show's The Confessionals Podcast. That's the main gig. And we are now trying to build up a media company called Merkel Media. Uh, you can check out Merkel Media at Merkel.media, no.com. It's just Merkel.media. Uh, you can, underneath the Films tab, you can see the Dogman film. It's there for purchase or rent. 
And uh, yeah, it, it's it's a good film. And the next one coming for Skinwalker Ranch is going to be even better. Uh, I'd be happy for anybody to check it out. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for that. Guys, uh, also, for those who are listening in and who want to follow the work that we are doing as well, you can head on over to our Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash Sword and Staff Order. For just $5 a month, you can get the Sword and Staff Uncut. You're going to get access to all sorts of cool things that uh, does not get released in other places. I actually just this past week posted a, a newly updated chapter of my book that I've been working on for like a year now. Um, the first chapter of it is available there for patrons only. Um, I plan on actually dropping. I actually, I'm about finished with it now. I finished up the third chapter. It's not going to be super long. It's going to be kind of a booklet to kind of walk you through some of the, 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 the thinking that I'm talking about in regards to, uh, sacred timekeeping and why celebrating Christian holidays is a legitimate enterprise, um, you you are going to if you're a patron you're going to get an advanced readers copy of that as soon as I finish it up. Um, that's not going to be released anywhere else until probably after the new year. Um, I, that's what I'm planning on releasing it is in 2023. But if you're a patron, you get that early and you get all sorts of content early. Right? We drop our episodes there early to patrons. Mm-hmm. We're sending out cool uh, swag boxes to patrons, which we're going to plan on getting out this week. Um, just all sorts of stuff, and you can find it over at our Patreon. And so, uh, yeah, especially as this journey into Shadow Appalachia begins to unfold more yeah. and more, you're going to have <clears throat> behind the scenes sort of videos and blogs and uh, these adventures and actual actual casework, paranormal investigations, and working cases again. Like it's been a year and a half, two years since I've worked cases full time. So we're getting back into that. So got some pretty exciting things lined up for the new year and. Go ahead, Tony. I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to say this. What hearing you say that, uh, that's so exciting. It really is because people have to understand that, like, it, it's such a rarity to have Christians in the space to begin with. It's true. And and for Christians to be pursuing paranormal investigations, it, it, it's in a responsible spiritual way, you know? And so I, I find it very exciting because I, I, I started this journey for myself in 2017 and uh, I was really one of the few Christians in this realm of podcasting, doing this this paranormal stuff. And I always wanted to get involved in some kind of paranormal investigative stuff, but my way. Like every time I, I yep. went to these like these ghost tours and spend a night at a haunted hotel, and the people who were running the tours, they wind up trying to do seances and stuff. I'm just like sitting there, like, well, this isn't good, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, like the last time I went to a hotel. Uh, I one of uh, one of the people I brought with. She said that she couldn't stay there. She walked in. They showed her her room. She's like, "I can't be here." And so she got an Airbnb. She paid to be on the trip, and she got an Airbnb and stayed there for the night. So I drove her to this Airbnb. While I was gone, they started some seance thing, and something came through and said the podcaster and the lady's like, "Who is there? Anybody a podcaster here?" And they all looked at each other like, "Uh, Tony's a yep. podcaster." <laughs> And she's like, where's Tony? They're like, uh, he'll be here soon. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be here soon. Uh, but I mean, like, like, like I, I for me, I, I look at this stuff and I'm like, if this stuff is real, if this stuff is really happening, yep. like I talked to a lot of people who've had experiences. They weren't asking for the experiences. It just happened. And so why can't we just exist in this space and see what happens? And so wh- whether that's praying in the space 
or uh, or just existing in the space. I just don't understand why we got to try conjuring things. And maybe it's my spiritual side of me. It's just like, well, we're not supposed to do that, you know? Uh, yeah. But it, it's like, I'm just really excited to just see you know, how this all comes together because uh, I mean, this is something I think this space has been lacking for a long time. Yeah, I'm well, sorry. Absolutely. I know it's supposed to be over, but I no, just, no, 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 no. The mainstream paranormal investigation has been hijacked and commandeered by the new age. It did not used to be like that. I mean, the, everybody in the field today can link their career back to Christians, like to Ed and Lorraine Warren. So, I mean, they literally set the standard for the field and it was commandeered with the arrival of the new age. So it's been inverted. It's been twisted from the the way it used to be. So, I mean, that's part of our goal to sort of take back that ground. Well, and for me, too, as a pastor, and this speaks to what you were talking about on some of the things you were wrapping up, Tony. Um, we have the worldview to make sense of this stuff. right? The, we we have the worldview to make sense uh, sense of this stuff. This stuff is really happening. Like you were saying, people have experienced things they didn't ask to experience. And we don't have to write that off. We don't have to look at them through a lens of skepticism. We don't have to look at this phenomenon, weird stuff out there happening through the lens of skepticism. The, the, the Christian worldview gives us the, the worldview to be able to make sense of all of this. And if we don't do it, who else will? Because I can tell you, you were talking about it. There was very little Christians in this space. Um, and by God's grace, that seems to be increasing with the work that you're doing, the work that we're doing, the, the good work that other people out there are doing right now as well. And so we're just going to keep at it. We're going to keep hammering. We're going to keep putting stuff out there. And hopefully while we do, God is glorified in that by his truth being proclaimed and people are helped by people actually taking them seriously and wanting to help them. Yeah, so. even even the way I came into the paranormal, like I growing up, my family experienced a very violent haunting. Like it was very demonic. And we went to the church, the church slammed its doors in our face. So that that drove me into the arms of paganism. Like that's that's where I went into the pagan wilds. And coming out of that, <clears throat> it seemed like it was a very Protestant problem because I found help from the church in Catholicism. Like all of our cases, when I started working paranormal cases, like right out of high school, I got into it. It was always with the help of the, the Catholic church. Like the Catholic church would bring us cases, like the parishioners were experiencing like haunting phenomena. They'd need us to go in and document evidence and gather this data so they could present a case to have the church sanction action on their behalf. So, but you, you don't find that kind of help in the Protestant church at all. It's like it's something that's completely stigmatized in Protestantism. Like you have the Catholics are ab absolutely have the categories for these things, but it's not something that's exclusive to Catholicism. And I, th I think that's what people need to understand. Yeah. Well, that all changes now. Yeah. Yeah. I, even for me, I mean, I come from a Pentecostal background and mm -hmm. even the Pentecostal circles, like I don't ever remember anybody talking about this stuff. Yeah, and and and, and you, you would think of like some of the, these of the denominations and stuff. Like you would think the Pentecostals, yeah, they they they're all about <laughs> yeah, this, they, right. they crap, yeah. you, know, you know, like. But you know, it's just like. By the way, I didn't. I wasn't raised in a snake handling church, but <laughs> <laughs> I, but it's just like um, it, it, it's just not there. And I remember talking to a pastor who I, I love dearly. I love him dearly. Um, but I, I was talking to him about what I do. And, uh, and I told him I was just be because I, I really don't know how to talk to people other than just being myself. And so sometimes that can be, that, that can be, um, taken 
poorly, I guess. I don't know. But I was, I was telling them, I was just like, you know, the church has neglected these people for, for a long, long time. There's a, there's a whole group of people out there that have been involved in witchcraft, Satanism, uh, chasing the paranormal, chasing ghosts and spirits, going on ghost hunts, doing all this stuff, even down to the cryptid stuff, chasing these cryptids and saying that when they go in the woods, it's a spiritual experience for them. This is a very spiritual thing. And the church has neglected these people. And he said to me, well, we just don't know how to relate to them. I'm just like, that's a problem. That's That's absolutely been my experience too, especially with the Protestant church. Like even working cases, like we would have uh, people come to us that were Protestants and they say, listen, our church doesn't know how to handle this. Our pastor doesn't know how to handle this. He doesn't have the categories, the worldview. They they literally had their pastor slam doors in their faces and it drove them into the arms of Catholicism or even paganism because the church had their head buried in the sand. So absolutely a problem. It's crazy because like, they, by doing that, they literally pushed them into uh, uh, into the arms of people who are like, we got an a- we got an answer for you because yeah. at least we don't ignore the spiritual aspect here, and sure. so we we give you solutions according to how we view it and stuff. But like it, it, it the the church, listen, uh, I'm a big Tim Pool fan. Tim Pool's always saying that politics is downwind from culture, and that and 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 here's the thing: like as a church, we're supposed to set the culture, and we haven't been doing it. And so yep. culture has been been left godless, and that's what we're what we're seeing in our our society today. So uh, I, I mean, that's kind of like the I, I don't know what God's doing, but like with Merkel Media, like I'm trying to kind of do that as well, where I'm setting a culture kind of thing, trying to engage the culture. Uh, I got a four year old and a two year old at home, and I could barely let them watch Disney without you know previewing it first. And so it's just like I I, I just want to set the culture and. And it doesn't have like we don't have to come out with corny Jesus movies like back in the '90s, you know, like like yeah. we can, no <laughs> doubt, yeah, yeah, like we can create really cool stuff uh, by a group of Christians. Sometimes there, the, it, the 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 message could be overtly obvious, and sometimes it's an underlying tone, and sometimes there is no message other than the fact that this was created by a group of Christians and watch God work, bro, because yeah. like. I mean, I'm a paranormal podcaster. I've p- had people tell me they've come to Christ through my show. I don't preach the gospel on my show. Just by being a Christian in this space, though, the Holy Spirit did the rest of the work. And that's the that's the thing that we have to understand is that we we don't do anything. Like, we're not the ones saving people here. We're just being a vessel. And so being Christians in this space, that opens the door wide open for the Holy Spirit to do his job. Like, that's his job. Like, like that's not our job. And we should, we should be glad it's not our job. Let's just yep. be Christians in these spaces, be unashamed and move forward and let God do his job. You know, yep. so that's, I'm done. I'm done ranting. I'm done. <laughs> I mean, we even had a conversation no, about the, this past generation coming out of the void of atheism. And now you have this new generation who are soul searching. They're looking for spirituality that is higher than themselves. I mean, the paranormal is a basic human experience. Everybody, regardless of your, your faith, your culture, the spiritual experience that's tied into the paranormal, it's something that's universal. And these people are looking for the truth on these things. And if the church keeps its head buried in the sand, it drives them to lesser things. So that's, I I mean, it might be a hot take, but I've said to Josh a million and one times that I blame the explosion of the new age movement on the lack of action of the church. Like that's absolutely my experience. So, so you, you do view, the new age exploding on the scene. Cause I, I feel like that. I feel like, like it, it's really kind of exploded on the scene. Cause I remember like hearing about it and all of a sudden, boom, it's here. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
what's the new age? Like I had no idea what yeah. it was. It just kind of blew up like really fast. Yeah. Whenever we went on a vacation <clears throat> down to Asheville, North Carolina, back in January, our church got us a uh, uh, bought us a, a sweet Airbnb. Really awesome. Uh, we stayed dinner for a couple of days, and the whole town was basically a new age town. Like tons of metaphysical shops, places where you could learn about chakras, and you know, not only that, but just all sorts of other things, right? Um, the the Christ consciousness, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's a reality. And here's the reality, and I think this can sum up what the two of you are saying. And this comes from a, a guy that I used to read that I respect, who's now uh, gone to be with the Lord named Gary North. He said, you can't beat something with nothing. You can't beat something with nothing. And I think that's where we're at right now in the uh, evangelical Protestant church. We're trying to beat something with nothing, and we can't do it. At least paganism, at least Catholicism, at least Eastern Orthodoxy, at least the New Age has something. Exactly. Right. You talk about people encountering that spiritual vacuum sort of post big uh, atheism movement. And that's where these this new generation found themselves. There, there was no answers from the church and you had paganism, the new age, like we have an answer. Here's, yep. here's an explanation. And that's that's really how it exploded and on it, the scene unchallenged. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. It should. We shouldn't have nothing. I want to add just to what I said. We shouldn't have nothing because we have it. We have the answer. God has given it to us in his word, through through the work of Christ, through the empowering spirit of God, right? He has given us the answer. So let's stop trying to beat something with nothing. Let's be, Tony, you are speaking my language when you talk about creating culture. We That's what we need to be doing right now. We need to be creating alternatives to what the world is creating right now so that we will be able to to, to influence people and so that they can see uh, works out there that are good, true, and beautiful that tell the truth, right? I, that was a little redundant there. I said good, true, and beautiful. It tells the truth, but I wanted to say it that way so that you understood what I was saying, right? That's what we need to be doing right now because until we do that, we're trying to beat, we're trying to beat Disney with fireproof. We're trying yeah. to beat fire. Uh, <laughs> we're trying to beat, Netflix with with uh, what was the movie called Facing the Giants or right? courageous or courageous and we're yeah. not going to do it. We we need to be creating things that are yeah. on par with that. We're going to burn the stake for that, but I, those movies are absolutely come and cringe. do it, baby. Absolute cringe. <laughs> yeah, I, I just like I, I think the enemy has like so the enemy has been at work here in this country for a very long time. I think most of us can only really speak to the culture here in this country when it comes to our faith and Christianity and what the church has done over the last 50 years or so. But one of the the biggest scams played is that like Christians walk around like they have an empty bag. Like like everybody else is walking around with these different things. And we were just like, yeah, we got this bag and we really don't know what's in it. When you have like the the Trump card in that bag, you have a bag of bricks. Like that is it's it's so heavy. It's so weightful. It's it's the the answer. And and we just and so I, I and coming from Pentecostal background, I, I'm about to go reform. Like I, question, oh yeah, I, like like I I do. I question. I, like I look at some of these people. I'm like, do you really believe what you say you believe? Because I walked around my entire life saying I was a Christian. I wasn't a Christian until I was in my late 20s. Yeah. And so, like coming from my perspective and seeing how people people act 
when they say they believe a certain way, I'm like, but you know, like, where's the evidence here? You know? Yeah. And so I, I just, um, ah, man, like, like I know this is supposed to be a paranormal show and stuff, but like, I really feel like the, 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 the Christian culture in this country has really, um, gone astray. And, absolutely. And you can absolutely bring the Amer- blame the American church for this exportation of just ignorance. I mean, you look at the church in Europe or or other places, they have the categories for these things. I mean, that's why you see some of the most definitive works on the Fae, on uh, Norse mythology. They're being preserved and transcribed by Christians. I mean, yeah. the church absolutely elsewhere has categories for these things and openly. Like you see the church in the in the United Kingdom and Scotland and Ireland, they engage with the belief in the Fae. Like they they understand from their perspective what what these things are. They don't deny their existence. It's it's definitely an American problem. It's it's a problem with the American church. Yep. Yeah. Well, we can't we, beat something with nothing. Yeah, we need to fix it. We do, and we need to fix it. And and the thing is, like, it can be fixed. It can, because here's the thing: like, what else are we gonna do? You know, like God has given us a certain amount of time. You, each individual one of us has a certain amount of time on this earth. What are we going to do with it? You know, like we just got to keep moving forward and uh, and do one of the things that God told us to do, which is to make disciples of many nations, actually make disciples of many nations. You know, they just yep. like actually go and do this. I mean, and yep. that, that there, there's a whole bringing it back to the paranormal. Like there's a, just a whole community of people that have been pursuing this alternate way of thinking with spiritualism uh, pursuing witchcraft, uh, these, like I've seen, I've seen witches come to Christ. Like we have too. That's what dark color is about. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I mean, like like that was, I guess that was a layup, you know? Yeah, it was. You just, you just tossed that one at me. I'm telling you, man, like I love that series. I absolutely love the series. Uh, I, I, her name is Kristen, Kristen, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, just seeing how God moved in her life and the family's life. Um, I, I just, and, and even just in your lives, I mean, really, cause I mean, this was a paradigm shifting thing for you was. and, and uh, you probably wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast if it wasn't for that, that whole story. No, I, I, I think yeah. it's amazing. I think yeah. it's amazing because I think, I think God has opened up a door in your life that sets you off on a trajectory that at the end of the day, I think when you, when, when, when you take that final breath, man, like, I think that. Dude, I, I I think you're I think the impact you're gonna have on this world is gonna be tenfold because of that experience you had with her. I really do. I think it's it, I think it's amazing, and I'm I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about it to see what you guys do. Well, thank you for that. Really appreciate that. And I know that I speak for both of us whenever I say we're really looking forward to doing some more stuff together. I'm sure that our roads. Our paths are going to cross at another point here very, very soon. Absolutely. And you can look out. There's nothing in creation that doesn't belong to Christ, and that includes the paranormal. So, I mean, and you can, I've seen it over the past two years that there is a movement in the church where God is literally raising men and uh, organizations up to tackle the subject of the paranormal. Like, there's these strongholds, like Encountering You and Ward and some of the other podcasts that we've, we're collaborating with and researchers we're working with that are Christians. I mean, there are these scattered strongholds that are being brought together for this goal of yep. retaking ground. So, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that happening more. Can I, I, I gotta tell you, I, I told, I know I told you guys this, uh, I, I know I told you, uh, this Josh and I told Ward this, uh, the way I view this, we all have our role and our, our jobs that God has given us. I, I'm, a. 
I'm an assembler. I, I, I gather people around. I'm like the story time guy, like huddle around the fire guys. Let's tell a story. I yeah. get the people in the same room and then I identify the people I'm like, Hey, you guys are the brains over there. You come over here. You need, you, you need to talk more. Cause like we, yeah. we need to teach. like word that dude is like on another level from me, you know, you, <laughs> another level from me. like, like I, like I have a hard time keeping up, but uh, we all have our own, our own positions and, and jobs. And I, I, I truly mean that. Like, like I, I'm very happy being in the role that I'm in. Uh, I, I'm very willing to say that I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but God brought the smartest guys in the room for me to identify. And I've pointed them out. I'm like, okay, guys, listen up, listen to Josh, listen to Ward. These guys are talking and they're going to teach you something. Okay. Like story time with Tony's over. That's the introduction. Now the story let's go time in. with Tony's over. <laughs> <laughs> let, let's yeah. go and let's get some, uh, in some deep waters here. And so I, I just think it's really cool what God's been doing. It's been very lonely. It's been very lonely over the years doing this. Um, I, I, I knew God called me to do this. Like literally God called me to do this podcast. I, I didn't know where it was going. And when I first started, uh, I had a hard time because it was like, I, I didn't know what I could say in this community. Cause I really wasn't from the community. Uh, uh, story. I've had the same experience coming from uh, working mainstream in the paranormal, then into the Christian sort of world. Like I had no idea what I could say in this community or what, what was taboo, what was, not so it's been definitely a, a learning experience and joining forces with these other men i mean it's been a journey for sure i'll tell you what like it, there's and this is like a lack of faith on my part but also like i don't want to mess up what god's doing kind of thing as well i'm called to do this show like literally felt the holy spirit saying bro this is what i'm going to commission you to do a month later without me trying it happens and yeah. In that process, because I felt called to do this, I'm like, I don't want to say something that messes this all up. So I was going from yeah. both extremes yeah. where I was like, I was like, first of all, I, sh I have a real um, complex to this day where I'm like, I feel it, like I, I let God down a lot. Like, I, I shouldn't have said that. Dang it. Like, cause, cause because I am who I am just openly and publicly. Uh, there's I've over the years have gotten people saying, and you say you're a Christian. Yeah, I just I'm from Philly. Uh, what can I, I mean, I'm, from, I'm from Philly. <laughs> I'm rough. Uh, but like, so there, there's that aspect of things where I'm like, oh gosh, like I like I don't know. Like I, I felt like I was letting God down. But also um on the other end of things, because I knew I was treading in waters that aren't treaded often with Christians, I didn't know how accepted I was gonna be. And I knew one thing's for sure, I'm not denying Christ. So out the gate, I said I'm a Christian, right? And and, and but beyond that, I didn't know how far I could go on certain things because I, I was like, I don't want to kill this thing. Like, I don't know what God's doing. I don't want to kill this thing. I don't want to go preach mode and, and all that stuff. And, and I didn't feel called to be preaching on my podcast. Right. So but even in that moment, like it's just like the cycle, because when, when yeah. I'm feeling like that, then I'm feeling like I'm letting God down, you know, and it's just like I constantly went through this this mental cycle alone where I was just like feeling worthless just going through this this, oh, this i can relate to that so much like yep. i'm like well god called me to do it so i'm gonna do it even though in the moment i feel like i'm letting god down and it's just like i was so hard on myself and just it's been really cool having other people come alongside of me and stuff like even like war getting to know with ward and stuff it's just like man like it, it's just it's i don't know it, it's the community it, it took a burden off my shoulders like yep. I, I felt like i felt like just the fact that you guys are here coming alongside of me i'm like okay i'm not i'm not screwing everything up totally all right, that's great. You know, it's so it's just been it's been really cool to see friends coming alongside. That I'm like, hey, yeah. you're a Christian too? Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. You know, so it's been it's been a pleasure. Well, man, you've you've planted, 
you've watered and uh, God's God's gave the growth. Yeah. And, and I think that he's going to continue to do that. So keep grinding, man, keep throwing the seed, keep watering and and God will keep doing the same. And, and we have faith that God will give the growth, right? So. And it's, it's encouraging to hear his story there because I relate to that so much when I came into the paranormal field, especially into the church. Like I wrestled with that all the time. Am I letting God down? Am I doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing? Like I, I, I truly believe that, I mean, the paranormal has been everything I've known since I was a child. I mean, that's all that I've done. So I've been in, I've been ex- investigating the paranormal for 15 years now, but before that it was through the hauntings and things I experienced. It was all that I've known. So when I got there, I didn't know what to do with with these experiences of like, God brought me through this path. Is it for all for naught? Like, I mean, was that whole journey for nothing and finding my space here in, in the church and to be able to bring that with this paranormal worldview, it's, it's been a journey for sure. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I'm excited about it. Richie, I, I think uh, one of these days we got to have you on the show to talk because there you it, go. the things you've been saying, I'm like, Oh, that sounds very confessionally. So, <laughs> oh man, you don't you, sketchy Richie is called sketchy Richie for a reason. He's got a lot of sketchy stories. And Josh can uh, speak to the the sort of confrontation that I had, especially in reform circles, like some of the same uh, group chats we were in and the same friend groups we were in. I mean, they would absolutely call me to repentance constantly. And like, I mean, it was all but burning me at the stake at, at, at some points. And I mean, there was even some friction between Josh and I, like way back in the day, like, yeah. So, I mean, and then this thing ended up dropping in my lap and I didn't have the categories for it. And then God forced me out of my comfort zone and said, hey, uh, there's a lot more going on in the world than you're aware of. And you need to wise up if you're going to lead my people and be a shepherd. Mm -hmm. So that's That's, how we ended up here. That's strong. That's strong. uh, Because, I mean, it's got to be, it's got, was it hard? I mean, like going from... Because I, mean, I mean, part of you is like, okay, guys, tell me this, but at the same time, it's like I have this whole life track record of this, and I'm just like, it's it seems like a a real it was, tug of war. It's almost like Saint Augustine at the end of his life, he issued uh, a work on retractions, basically going back. Listen, I said this, and I was wrong about it, and uh, here's here's actually where I came to. It's like that only it happened to me at uh, in my 30s. You know, it's like, hey, I know that I've been your pastor for you know, five years now, and I've kind of denied the existence of the supernatural in the world, not explicitly, but just in practically. And I just want you to know that uh, these things are very real and we've now experienced them. And this is a reality. And so I've spent time teaching on the demonic. Uh, I've spent time teaching our church about divine counsel. I've spent time talking about all of this stuff and Richie's been there for the past year or so. And so he's got to hear it too. We literally talk about all of these things in our church now and it's reality and it's not just changed my life. It's changed the life of our church and it can do that for everybody. I think yeah, if I we're willing to be faithful. Yeah. I remember back in the day, me and Josh bust, butted heads so much over the paranormal. Like he would, the, there was so much criticism of my work and things like that, just from the church in general like we ended up parting ways for a while. And I remember the night that he uh, just happened to message him about uh, a Bible verse. And he came back at me and he was like, what What do you think about the divine council worldview? And I was just shocked that he had had that sort of. What do you think about the, God, the gods yeah, of the yeah. nations? What do you about think about the gods of the nations? And I was like, are you really going down this route right now? So there's definitely a change in the church in the American church 
especially happening right now. And yep. it's encouraging to see. Yeah. It's a, it's a reformation of sorts. It really is. I, I I'm excited about it. I really am. And, uh, you know, it, it's for me, I wish you guys were a little closer to me. I'd go to church with you because like, it, it's, it's a very, it takes a lot of energy to find a church. Uh, cause like you, I got to go to a church and then see if they, if they, if I accept what, how they are, you yeah. know, because I, I get real touchy with the whole business side of churches and stuff these days. Yeah. And, um, and then if I, once I find a church that I, I'm like, yeah, these people are good people. Then I got to go to the pastor and say, hi, my name is Tony Merkel. This is what I do. I'm a paranormal podcaster. You have a problem with it, you know, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to know before I get settled in, you know, yeah. and that I, was my journey from church to church until I found Josh and then till I found New Haven. And that's where I've, that's where I've stayed. So yeah, it's awesome. Well, I, I think, uh, if you guys were closer, I'd be hitting that place up too, because uh, it seems like we we would get along just fine. And uh, I, I, there's got to be churches around here. But every church I've been going to around here, it's just like been like thousands of people going. Like I know I'm in the Bible Belt, like the yeah. belt buckle of the Bible Belt. But like yeah. Blount County, Tennessee is like, yeah, old, you know, but yeah. <laughs> dang, man. Like I'm just trying to find a, like a, a church that the pastor will know my name and has a decent kids program that where it's like not my brother my, or not my brother uh not my my son and his sister just playing together you know and there's no yeah. other kids like you know i'm just trying to find something that works and and then that will accept me for what i do and stuff and 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 i don't i think that later later part won't be the hard that that will be the easiest part to tackle i think because the more i talk to people around here the more they're, they're kind of cool with me once they get to know me uh, i think the lady next door because I, I where my offices are at is uh i share a floor with a, a hair salon and uh, I, I got to talking with the, the hair ladies when I moved in. And they're like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a podcaster. Oh, what do you talk about? Uh, I talk to people about their paranormal experiences. And the one lady, like the, the other ladies told me that like she, like, I guess she was a little concerned about that until she got to know me and she found out I was a Christian. And then she heard me talking because I got like, all you got to do is bring up God to me. I'm, you got to be talking like forever yep. and so like once she heard that she felt more comfortable so I, I i'm thinking that most people will be okay with me and stuff i hope i don't know we'll see yeah, i mean that's it been our experience too people are looking for an outlet for a normalization of these experiences and if if the church would just drop the stigma that's behind the paranormal i mean you would be surprised how many people come forward i mean that's been yep. Our journey, especially people in the church, even people in our own church, yeah, that have experienced just crazy paranormal phenomena, and it's been this uh, stigma of silence in the church that they can't talk about it. So, so when we fight against that, that's when they—that's when the stories come out. So, if Josh, if if you never change direction of your thought perspectives and stuff with your church, those people probably never would have come forward to talk about what they've been through. No, one hundred percent. No, and I think that they would have shoved it to the back of their minds and would have tried to rationalize it away um, because they we, we just wouldn't have had the categories to understand. Well, it. look at the feedback we got from our podcast. I mean, that's the number one thing people say, like we have never had an, an outlet to express these things, to talk about these things. Yep. And that we're normalizing these experiences. And yeah, I mean, we get so many messages and emails. I mean, it's crazy. That's awesome. Yep. Well, that's, that's so cool. I, I know. I I feel like for like the last hour, we've been trying to wrap up the show and I just keep talking. Something. <laughs> it's all good. I'm going to fade back and let you guys do your thing. It's all good, man. Listen, I mean, it's just the beginning, especially with Shadow Appalachia. We're taking back the paranormal for 
for Christ, for the church. I mean, it's our ground, it's our worldview, and you're about to see some pretty exciting things coming in the next couple of years with these projects. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, guys, we hope that you enjoyed today's crossover edition of the Sword and Staff with Tony Merkel from the Confessionals. Tony, we thank you again so much for your time, for generously hanging out with us and just shooting the bull, man. We really appreciate it, really enjoyed it. And uh, would love to have you back at some point. I'm sure Sketchy Richie would love to come on your podcast and talk about some of the, <laughs> Absolutely. the experiences that he's had. And uh, yeah, man, good stuff. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. All right. Well, guys, make sure to head on over to the links and stuff that we talked about earlier. Uh, it was like an hour ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> make sure to go and check those out. Uh, make sure to hit Tony up on social media. Um, like the confessionals, listen to his podcast. Love the episode that you did recently on Hollow Earth. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, really enjoyed it. And so, uh, also make sure to head on over to our Patreon, get the exclusive content there. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. And on the next episode, we'll be talking with Ward Heine, reflecting about our two day journey that we're going to be doing uh, on Shadow Appalachia stuff. We're going to be yeah. talking about the Serpent Mound, some of our findings there. Wrapping up Dark Holler. Wrapping up Dark Holler, and uh, should be a lot of fun. So, all right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you uh, next week. See you then. See you.